We've been working our way through the New Testament book of Colossians. It's a letter written by a guy called Paul to a church in this place called Colossae. And he's got loads of stuff to say, but it's a fairly short letter. Um, And he talks about the supremacy of Jesus. He talks about how amazing he is. And out of that, how does our life uh, with Christ and with one another, how does that work out? From that place of knowing who Jesus is and what he's done for us, how, does, how do we live with one another? How do we work that out? And we've come to a passage, really, where we start looking at what does it look like within the household? So we talked about kids and, and dads. It, it addresses that there in Colossians 3. Um, but we're also now um, in the section where it starts to look at wives and husbands. Okay, so there's a couple of verses about wives and husbands. And just aware that like, not all of you are married, okay? And some people may never be married. I'm married to, to Jude. But I just, want, um, I just want to encourage you. Like, we're going to be looking at relationships more broadly. We're going to be looking at how we relate to one another um, in those relationships. So I think there'll be some wonderful stuff that if you love Jesus, you'll just be able to celebrate with and go, God, this is your good design uh, for human uh, flourishing. Um, and please pray for your uh, married um, counterparts or your brothers and sisters in Christ who are married. Um, we would really value your prayers. Do stand with us as we look to work that in relationships, uh, in our relationship. Uh, but also know that we're praying for you guys as well as you follow Jesus um, in your walks as well. We, we just wanted to acknowledge at the start that... Um, uh, so we're going to be talking about wives submit... And when Paul asked me if I would help him with this, I was like, crikey, (laughs) it feels like a bit of a hot potato. And so um, just to acknowledge that really, and um, perhaps you're sitting there thinking, do you know what? No way. That is, I I don't agree with that. How could you even think that? That feels really wrong. Perhaps you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm pretty convinced that Scripture does talk about this, but it just feels really uncomfortable. Um, It just feels not right. Um, Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, yep, convinced by Scripture. I'm all in for this. I'm experiencing it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, You know, a real real champion of it. And I just, we just wanted to acknowledge that we might all be in a different place on this. And and I can actually relate to all of those positions, um, having been in all of those positions at some point in my walk with Jesus, um, and have found myself, you'll be pleased to know, given that we're talking about it, having landed in the last one of um, working it out in our marriage, being convinced um, by the scriptures that this is Jesus' good design for marriage. Um, uh, but yeah, just to say really that I can relate if you're in a different place to that. And um, hopefully we can you know, come together, hearts open. And we want to try to put aside pre, you know, what we might have thought previously, what culture might want to say to us. And, and let's just have a look at scripture together today. Oh, it's still me. Yeah, we're doing a bit of a tag it's team. It's going to be like a bit of this. <laughs> and we have three kids and it's, uh, life's a bit crazy. So. Yeah. For sure. Right. So, um, yes, we are in Colossians 3. So if you've got a Bible, you want to turn with us to Colossians 3, verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Uh, We are also going to look 
at Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3 to help us with this um, as we go through. But we're going to see this kind of repeating theme um, that seems to be coming through, that God had a design for marriage that was for the husband to have this role of having uh, being the head or uh, having authority and for the wife to be in this role where she's called to submit. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so... As Jude mentioned, authority and submission can be, within our culture, definitely, like, you could consider them dirty words. They're like things that you just don't mention in culture, okay? They're not things that we want to talk about. Um, they're things that you might think negatively about. Um, but to God, authority and submission are very beautiful things. And we're talking broadly here of God's good design, that God has created authority and submission for human flourishing and for his glory. It's all part of uh, his plans, his purposes. So to God, rest assured, authority and submission are very, very good things. When they're worked out well, they are good things. Now, authority and submission, they're never in isolation. They're always defined by the relationships that they are a part of. Some relationships we are in authority over other people, and some relationships we are called to submit to someone else in that relationship. Yeah, so we, we see in the scriptures that actually this isn't just a deal for husband for wives. Um, all of us are actually called to submit, and the Bible's really clear about that. We're all called to submit first and foremost to God to his word, aren't we? That's a deal for men and for women, for wives, husbands, single people, everybody. We're all called to submit to the governing authorities. Um, so earlier on, in, we're going to look at 1 Peter 3, but earlier on in Peter, it talks about um, how we're called to submit to all of the governing authorities that um, God has put in, put in charge of our countries, our nations. Um, we're called to submit to our church leaders, aren't we, um, as well? And um, all of us will find ourselves in relationships where we're, we're called to submit, whether you're a wife or not. Um, you know, if you've got a boss at work, actually, you're called to submit to your boss at work, aren't you? Um, and um, we also see that actually all of us are called to have authority as well, um, male and female. Um, in Genesis 1, it says, um, kind of, uh, this is God's, God's, uh, what would the word be, command calling to, to his people, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. All of us, men and women alike, we are called to rule over creation, to have authority over the world that God has made. Yeah, um, I mean, what a huge calling, like in terms of having authority, men and women side by side together, and that we need each other to fulfill that commission, that mandate that God has given us. We can't just do it with the men, can't just do it with the women, men and women together, we need one another to fulfill uh, the mission that God has given us. So authority and submission is good and biblical. The key is placing, there you go, thanks Dominic, um, the key is placing authority and submission in the right relationships, in the right places. And then when you've done that, is def then defining authority and submission correctly, biblically, as God would have it. Not that we bring our own preconceptions or our own biases to Scripture, but that we look, well, what does Scripture say about this? So 
Sorry, I totally dumped Paul in it there because that was supposed to be my bit. <laughs> I just said, can you do this bit? Okay, um, so we are going to dig into to some scriptures. So obviously we've got this verse in Colossians, but it's, it's a little sparse, isn't it? Wives, submit to your husband. There you go, get on with it. Um, so we're going to try and just dig around and um, use some other scripture to help us with this. So Ephesians 5, I'm sure these are passages that you might be... Um, familiar with if you've been around in church for a bit. So Ephesians 5 verses 23 to 33. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become, cl- will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. We can see in this description that Paul gives of marriage, this deal, he talks a lot about the husband in there, doesn't he? Of the husband laying down his life like Christ lays down, laid down his life for us, for the church. And um, Paul is drawing out this, this beautiful picture, actually, that marriage, um, there's something in the mystery of marriage that it somehow reflects Jesus' relationship with the church. And so marriage is a good thing, and it's, it's good to be married and it's fun and all those sort of things and it's wonderful to kind of go through life in in marriage but actually God has something so much richer and deeper in designing marriage and it was to display this beautiful relationship between Jesus and the church and so Paul says doesn't he this is a profound mystery I'm talking about Christ and the church we have Christ who is the head of the church he is the authority but he outworks that by lovingly laying down his life for his for his people for the church And then we have the deal of this church submitting to Jesus, to his authority, to his good and right leadership. Um, And um, yeah, this is our pattern in marriage. This is our pattern. The husband's parallel is Jesus and the wife's parallel is the church. And as we outwork that in our marriages, we're displaying something so beautiful to the world about how Jesus relates to us. So we've been thinking a bit about kind of how we might define authority and submission based on this. And I think authority, it's this divine calling to self-sacrificial servant leadership. A divine calling to self-sacrificial servant leadership. And then flowing out of that, we have submission. A divine calling to honor and affirm a husband's leadership, when we're thinking about it in the context of husbands and wives. A divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. And um, we're going to dig in a bit deeper, firstly, to this deal of authority, um, because then I think well, as we look at submission, it will flow kind of more freely out of there. Okay, great. Um, 
Okay, so what is godly authority? Let's, let's take a look at that from Scripture, uh, from the Ephesians 5 passage that Jude uh, read out. That gives us, hopefully, a, quite a clear idea of what, how a husband is to work out the authority that God has, has given him. So in there, we see that even though Jesus is the head of his church, his authority is worked out in laying down his life for the church so that it may flourish. So he's not just given authority, um, actually, no, that's, that, that's Jesus. So Jesus, head of the church, his authority is worked out by laying down his life for the church so that the church might flourish. And even though the husband is the head of the wife, as it says in that passage, his authority is worked out in laying down his life for his wife so that she might flourish. So the husband is not given authority just for the sake of it, just so that uh, he can, you know, um, uh, call all the shots and be demanding and demeaning. No, that is not why God has given the husband the authority in that. It's for the flourishing of the wife. And we'll unpack that a bit uh, more. But Jesus, you know, we, Jesus is our model as husband. It's not that we are in any way like Jesus. <laughs> Men and women are before God, all fallen short of the glory of God. But the parallel here in this metaphor is that position of head. Now, when Jesus walked the earth, um, he was around at a time where the Roman rule was really uh, in full force. And there was this deal of the uh, pater familia. And the idea behind the pater familia was that there was this father figure at the head of the household. And he wasn't just the head of the household for like his immediate family um, in terms of his wife and kids, but also for any of his kids and their families. Okay, so big paterfamilia, big structure of authority. And that man could call all the shots, even to the point of his wife's death. Okay, so this was like serious authority. Okay, Jesus was around at this time. Now, Jesus didn't see authority like that. He completely redefines authority. So when he talks about authority and uh, leadership, he talks about serving. He talks about washing feet. He talks about serving, blessing, giving. Not about superiority. It's about laying down your life. It's about making yourself nothing for the service of others. So Jesus, he doesn't see authority as a bad thing, but he completely redefines it and flips it. So he didn't see authority as something for his own benefit. And we see this in Philippians do you mind just turning there? Thanks, Dr. Philippians 2. There you are. Great. So, I mean, feel free to turn. Um, so, Philippians uh, 2. It's just a few letters on after the uh, Gospels. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. And says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who? Speaking of Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." This is what authority looks like, laying down your life. 
Okay, in all aspects, we're looking primarily here at the husband and wife relationship, but that's what it looks like to outwork authority. Jesus laid down his life for the church. That's the gospel. Okay, we have all misused authority. In various ways, we've misused authority. And in various ways, we've not submitted perfectly to people around us, to government, to other uh, leadership figures in our lives. We've not submitted well. The Bible says that we've fallen short, and we have in that, those areas of authority and submission. Jesus perfectly worked out authority, perfectly submitted. Okay? perfect record. And actually, when we come to Jesus, when we accept what Jesus did on the cross, taking our sin, taking our rebellion, that we've fallen short, he gives us his perfect record. So when God looks at us, he sees Jesus, and then he can accept us in, into his family, into his church. He loves us and welcomes us in. That's the gospel. It's good news. So just as Jesus didn't consider his authority something for his own benefit, Also, husbands are not to consider authority something for their own benefit, but for the benefit of their wives. So it's not for selfish gain. It's not to demand submission. It's not a power play. You must submit or else. It's not that. It's not abusive. It's not demanding. It's not demeaning of the wife. Husbands should never be harsh with their wives to love for the purpose of flourishing. So husbands are to do everything for that purpose, okay? Just, just eat, breathe, sleep, about that, like if you're married, for your wife, not for yourself. Don't think about yourself. <laughs> Stop thinking about yourself. <laughs> Stop thinking about yourself. It's hard, it's tough, you know, but that's what we're called to. And this means taking responsibility for creating and maintaining a culture where our wives can flourish in Christ, in the fruits of the Spirit, in the gifts of the Spirit that God has given her, in her roles as a wife, maybe as a mum, in the workplace, do everything that she might flourish. So a few practical points. How does a husband do this? So firstly, um, by fixing his eyes on Jesus, everything else flows out of that doesn't it? By following Jesus passionately, by loving him, by knowing his word, um, being a doer as well as a hearer of his word, knowing what the Bible says about marriage and um, trusting that with the Holy Spirit's help, you'll be able to outwork that. Then obviously we've got laying down his life. So we've obviously talked about that in theory. What's that look like in practice? So we're in a season of life where it, um, it's just busy. You know, if you've had kids, you know, busy time. Young kids, very demanding. And there's not much time, especially for Jude, um, in terms of just the squeeze. And the kids want her. Like, they're hanging off her legs. You would have seen some of that. <laughs> it's very, very demanding for Jude. So for me to lay down my life for Jude, I'm, I'm trying to look for ways to release her. So here at church, looking for ways to uh, enable her to engage in worship. So trying to help with the kids. <laughs> um, when I can, when I'm not leading something up the front, try and take the kids out to the kids' groups so she can at least get three or four minutes in here uh, without you know, the, the demands of, of the kids. Um, 
it looks like getting up, like we get up at the same time, but get up, make a cup of tea, bring it to Jude, and we both spend some time with Jesus. Like, but just laying down my life, get, making that cup of tea every day. Just practical things um, like that. Um, putting the washing out, um, doing the washing up. You know, just, just want to blow these myths away that, that the husband's authority is to be used to demand that the wife does everything. No, the husband's laying down his life, serving his wife. Like, how can I help you today? What, what can I do to serve you and lay down my life for you? So there's that. Thirdly, we draw on and release the many and varied gifts of his wife. That's what a husband does. That the husband actually needs the gifts and the wisdom and the provocations and at times the corrections of his wife to be able to, yeah, amen, um, to be able to, um, to work out the authority uh, that God's given him in the marriage. Without the wife playing a very active role in that, the husband is going to just flounder and just be like a, a, a fraction of the man that he might be without, without a wife. So it, she plays a key role, and it's the husband's responsibility to draw that out of his wife. Okay, to listen to her, to encourage her, to spur her on, to, to uh, listen when she's got ideas, obviously, and, and to rely on her implementation of what you've worked out together. You, the husband needs to draw those beautiful things that God's given her um, out for the purpose of human flourishing, for the purpose of uh, the marriage, for the purpose of the family, for the purpose of the church, and for the purpose of making disciples more broadly as well. And fourthly, um, I think this one relates to all the others really, but it's, we were just thinking about it's this deal of, of being active and being present in the marriage, and if you've got kids in the family, being active to create a culture that is Christ-glorifying and being present to enable it to continue, to know when things have gone awry, when you've just, um, you know, there have been times, haven't there, where we have certain routines and, um, you know, Wednesday night we might try and pray and pray and study or whatever, look at the Word together. And then there's times where I just realize, actually, we're just watching the telly again on a Wednesday. <laughs> being active and being present to be able to um, just help us in having this culture that is Christ-glorifying. And it's not that the wife doesn't have a role in that, because there are times I say, you know, the same to Paul. But, um, yeah, just this deal of kind of being active and being present um, is, is really key, I think. Yeah, but we're running out of time. Oh, we're running out of time. Just want to encourage husbands. One of yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, uh, one of the, one of the temptations for husbands because this is this is tough. Okay, it's tough to lay down your life. It's tough for any anybody, you know, man or woman, to lay down your life for the purpose of someone else. It's tough. One of the temptations is at times to check out of the marriage. Okay, it's one of the temptations, and even if it's not like completely hundred percent check out, the temptation just to be like, oh, I'm now on my phone for like while or just like um you know not engage with the wife or the kids and just not be you're there but you're not present there okay and i just want to encourage you check back in if you've checked out check back in your wife your family they need you to do that christ has given you a great calling to love and serve your wife and your family be present be present. Follow Jesus. Be present. And the way you follow Jesus will make a, an amazing difference upon your family. Okay, so that was just a quick note. Brilliant. Okay, so we're going to just spend a few moments looking at what is godly submission.
And um, we've seen already, haven't we, that we're all called to submit. Um, but our passage today is specifically about wives, so we are going to hone in on that. Um, and we're going to just look a little bit deeper at biblical submission as it relates to wives. So just for a moment, if you could just uh, put, ever, put whatever definition you currently have of submission just to one side. So whatever, I don't know, urban dictionary submission that you might have that, you know, we've all got, haven't we, probably in our minds of um, what culture says about it. Just put that to one side and we're going to go back and we're going to look at the original Greek word. So there are four times in the New Testament where there's a really clear instruction, wives, submit to your husbands. And it's not just Paul who talks about it, it's Peter as well. So these two kind of key people in the church writing about wives submitting. And all four times they use the same Greek word, which is hypotasso. I've got no idea if I'm saying that right, but um, let's go with it. Hypotasso. And it's two words put together. So hypo um, roughly translates as under. And the second part, tasso, roughly translates as to arrange. So it's kind of this deal of arranging under. Um, so kind of picture of kind of the wife arranging herself under the husband, under his God-given authority. And um, John Piper says it like this. He says, um, I think we've already touched on this, but I think this is a really helpful definition that um, a wife's submission is a divine calling. It's a divine calling. This is a God-given thing. It is really good. Although culture might tell us that it isn't. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. It's a divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. We're going to move on and try and um, unpack a bit of what it of what it is. But first, we're just going to rattle through what it isn't. Okay, what it isn't. So submission. It isn't. It does not mean wives that you are not equal to your husbands. We are made. Man and woman in the image of Christ, we are co-heirs with Christ equally. We are of equal and infinite value to Christ. So it does not mean, wives, that we are not equal to our husbands. It doesn't mean we submit to all men. It just doesn't say that, okay? This is a deal for a wife and a husband, not for women and men in general. It doesn't mean we submit to sin. We submit to Christ first and foremost and to his word. So if your husband asks you to do something sinful, you do not have to submit to that. Um, and we're going to think a bit about that in a minute, how we might lovingly outwork that. But we submit first and foremost to Christ. It doesn't mean we have to put up with abuse. Jen Wilkins, who is um, a really brilliant um, Christian teacher over in the States, she says this. She says, any marriage relationship that has turned abusive is an abdication of authority and a woman needs to get safe and she needs to submit to the higher authority of her heavenly father who says she's created in the image of God and she's to be treated as an image bearer. And so the first concern needs to be get safe. Amen. Yeah. It doesn't mean, wives, that we give up our brains and that we give up our will and our desires. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be active in shaping the culture of our marriage and our family. It doesn't mean the husband makes all the decisions. I don't know what other caricatures you might have in mind. It doesn't mean you have to do everything around the house. You don't have to be that 1950s housewife, you know, with the hoover, <laughs> looking like she's loving it. Um, that's not, there's nothing in the Bible about that, okay? So we just need to blow that out of the water and say, that's not what this is about. Godly submission is about willingly, gladfully, joyfully, wholeheartedly arranging ourselves under the God-given authority of our husbands. And so 
We're going to look at 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 6, um, to try and unpack this a bit further. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe, uh, so it's addressing um, where maybe the husband is a believer, uh, well, what's in this situation? It's that the wife is a believer and the husband is not a believer. Okay, so it's, that's the, the context. So wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Thank you. Um, Okay, so... um yeah, the verse that we've got today in Colossians, as we've said, it, it doesn't really unpack what this looks like. And actually, I don't think there is a, an awful lot in Scripture about I- exactly how wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. Um, but I think in this passage here in Peter, he gives us some clues. And um, I think we can draw out some of the characteristics of it. Um, he, so uh, just a few points, really, from this, this, these verses. He refers to it as an unfading beauty. It's something beautiful, and it's something uh, um, that goes beyond the grave. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Um, it's uh, it, uh, it's not adorning our outward selves. It's attending to our heart, and God loves that when we attend to our hearts. It's a beautiful thing. And Peter's saying to us, hey, do you want to be like the holy women of the past who hoped in God? This is how they did it. They submitted to their husbands. And I love that thought. How cool would it be in a thousand years if somebody kind of said, oh, you know those holy women of West Earlham, City West, those holy women of the past, this is how they adorn themselves. I mean, that's so cool, isn't it? I reckon Sarah in here would be super pleased about being described in that way. Want to be like the holy women of the past who hoped in God? Well, one way that we can do that is to submit to our husbands. And um, this isn't about, it's not, there is an outward expression of it. There is an outward expression of it. But this is a heart issue. It's a heart deal. It's not like there are moments in time where I kind of suddenly think, oh, now's a moment to submit. (laughs) Although there might be kind of crunch points where it feels more like that. But this is a, it's about a heart attitude. And it's an ongoing dynamic in the relationship. And Peter refers to it, doesn't it? It's about the inner self. Our outward expression flows from an inward reality. Um, and it, I think, you know, what we can glean from these passages, it's a, it's a disposition to follow your husband, an inclination to yield to his leadership. It's a demeanor that communicates, I willingly and gladly release you into the God-given role of leading me and our family to flourish in God. It's not a passive thing. We don't, it's not something that we kind of just blindly do. Oh, I'm married now. I just sort of float through life while my husband kind of leads me. It's not something that we're called to do begrudgingly. It's not a passive thing. It's something that we do using everything that God has given us to help us in that. Using our wisdom, using our knowledge, our kindness, our love, our faith, our encouragement, our gentleness. Peter um, 
describes in here, uh, let me find the verses, can't find them. Ah, rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And I think these are some key characteristics of a submissive heart, a gentle and quiet spirit. This doesn't mean you have to be quietly spoken. <laughs> it's not talking about having to be an introvert or lacking zeal or um, any of those things. It's talking, I think, about this gentle and quiet spirit. It's a sure heart that hopes in God, that's confident in God, that's confident in his design for marriage. And um, the Greek word for gentle that's used here, it's very similar to the same Greek word that Jesus uses to describe his own, his own heart. Earlier on in, in Matthew, there's only one time in the Gospels where Jesus explicitly talks about his own heart. And he says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And it's the same gentle that we're called to. I mean, that is not a lesser thing, is it? Wives, that's an amazing thing that we are called to be like Jesus with a gentle spirit. Um, and I just think that's really quite a precious thing. It's a heart that says, I delight in you taking initiative and being active and present in our marriage and our family. It doesn't despise it. I'm glad when you take responsibility and lead in love. And I hope that maybe this has given a bit of a flavor because it's quite hard to describe, I think, because it is, it's a heart deal. It's a, it's a dynamic that happens between you. Um, we, we thought it would be helpful to give a couple of examples, but again, in a way, quite hard to think of examples because, um, well, for that deal that I've just said, really, that it, it is this kind of ongoing dynamic between you, but we managed to think of a couple, didn't we? So I suppose just to say as well that, that what, it, what it will look like in each marriage is different, that you will need to work that out in your own marriages, that there is this heart deal of having a gentle and a quiet spirit and uh, gladly releasing your husband to... to outwork the, the God-given authority that he's got. But what that will actually practically look like will be different for each of you. And um, you'll have to work that out in your marriages. Um, and um, yeah, but a couple of examples. So um, chip in if you need to, if I'm going stray. But um, we had a time recently-ish where we had to make a decision about whether or not to spend some money on something, quite a lot of money. So it wasn't just like, you know, five here or there or whatever. And Oh, we just disagreed. We just, we saw it so differently. Um, and um, we chatted about it and it was like, no, I just really disagree. You just disagreed with me. I just disagreed with you. Um, and so what did it look like to lean towards Paul with a submissive heart in that? Was it me saying, okay, whatever you think, I submit, you know, doing that outwardly, but inwardly feeling bitter and resentful and, um, you know, you're making a mistake and when it all goes wrong, I'll be thinking, I told you so. Um, no, thankfully, thankfully not, although sometimes there is that temptation. But so what did we do? What did it look like for us to outwork that? We, we talked, we shared openly with gentleness and with kindness. We do not always get this right, just to say we get this wrong a fair amount, but our heart was to be gentle and to be kind with one another. We said really clearly, I said really clearly to Paul, I disagree. And I think the reasons that you're making that decision are because of this, this, and this. I really disagree. Like, I don't think this is a good idea. We prayed. We sought God on it. And do you know what? We still didn't agree. <laughs> and this doesn't happen very often, but it does sometimes happen. I don't know if married people can relate to this, but sometimes this does happen, that you've done all the things that you think will help you reach a point where you agree and you still don't agree. So... How did, how did I outwork this deal of having a submissive heart to Paul? And it was to say, do you know what? 
most important here is that you know I love you. I'm for you. I want to follow you and cheer you on wherever you go with this. It's more important that you know I've got your back and I'm with you and I love you and I trust you and I want you to, to you know, outwork your role of authority here. That's more important than me getting my way in this moment. And if you genuinely think it's in our best interests, you have my heartfelt support. And why? why? Why can we respond? Why do we respond like that? Is it because Paul's ideas are usually better than mine, though they might be? Is it because I've got low self-esteem and I think little of myself and you know, lack confidence in my convictions? No, it's not. It's because this is the beautiful calling of God upon our lives, if you're a wife, to gladly, wholeheartedly, joyfully on, honour and affirm your husband's leadership. John Piper says, I love this quote, he says, this is one way of wearing the mark of majesty. You want to have the mark of Christ upon you, the mark of majesty on you. One way you can do that is to lean towards your husband with a beautiful, gentle, hoping first in God, submissive heart. We did have another example. Have we got time for it? It's 5 to 12. Okay. Would it be helpful? Yeah, so, okay, so... They voted. The people have voted. We um, we were trying to think of an example of a time when Paul asked me to sin, and we no, actually I didn't ask you to no. Sin. We were trying to think. Oh, I see. I no, see. no. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We were trying to think of an example. Just. Shh. Sorry. I'll, sorry. Carry on. Okay. We're trying. <laughs> trying to think of a time. An example, you know, what, so what do we actually do? Because there might be times when that happens, when your husband asks you to do something and you're just, you're convicted that it's, it's, that would go against what God has asked you to do. We're all broken, we're all fallen, and, but we actually couldn't particularly think of an example. But we did think sort of an example where um, there was a time where our Ford Focus had a really serious fault, as in you'd be going along at 70 miles an hour and then the entire engine would cut out. So you'd be like in the fast lane and be like having to do the ignition. It's quite serious. So we decided to get a new car. So we took the car to like a, I don't know, what was it, a dealership place and we part exchanged it and we didn't tell them about the fault with the car. Sarah's laughing. Um, okay, we didn't tell them about the fault with the car. And as we, I, I can't actually remember the details of whether they asked and we lied. I can't remember. Don't think so, yeah. Okay. As we were driving away, I just said to Paul, in our new car, I just said to Paul, I just can't do this. I feel like we've been really dishonest and that we've dishonoured God in this by not being open about the situation with our car. And thankfully, <laughs> Paul said, you're right. Uh, let's go and sort this out. And we turned around, we went back, and Paul went in and said to the guy, oh, FYI. This is a serious fault with the car we just part exchanged. Thankfully, the guy didn't even care, which was bizarre, wasn't it? But anyway, um, what would have happened if Paul had said, well, we're going to keep quiet about it because we're not going back and, um, you know, just don't worry about it. Don't think about it again. You know, it might cost us a lot of money if we go back. I think that would have been a time where the right thing to do would have been to not submit to that. And I think there's a way to do that gently and lovingly and kindly and saying, do you know what? I, I submit first to Christ and I feel like this is going to cause me to sin. This dishonesty is sinful. And I love you. Um, and I'm with you. You know, you know I'm with you, but actually I just, I'm going to have to let them know because I submit first and foremost to Christ. And that would have been godly. It would have been honoring. It would have been right. Um, 
Yeah. So I'm just really aware of the time. I think, really, we've only been able to scratch the surface here. Um, hopefully, we might have given you a bit of a flavour of, of submission, of what it might look like. Um, but I just want to encourage you, um, wives, to, um, to seek out older women who can teach you more about this. It says in Titus, older women, teach younger women how to be submissive to their husbands. Um, and um, we need to do that. We need to help each other with this. We need to work out what it looks like in our particular marriages, in particular situations that might feel really, really tricky. This is not easy. It is not easy. And I know there's just so many times where I'm tempted to just want, want my own way, want to lord it over Paul, um, you know, want to rule over him, whatever it might be. It is not easy. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us. And we need each other to help us work this out and to encourage one another. Amazing. That was so good. Well done. Um, yeah, uh, what to say? I mean, just recognizing that um, I spoke a few weeks ago, I think, about the importance of love and the importance of uh, loving one another, actually, when you differ on points of theological doctrine um, and that love tr- always trumps um, differences of opinion on secondary matters, recognizing really that, you, you know, out of the married couples here, there'll be different outworkings and different theological beliefs. Um, we, this is what we believe um, theologically. Um, and you might be sitting there thinking, I, I don't believe that. We would want to encourage you, search the scriptures, like make sure your uh, what your viewpoint is, is rooted in a theological conviction around this. And then that's cool. Like that's, that's fine. That's great. More, like, we're part of the same church, part of the same family. Love trumps that, okay? But make sure your, your convictions are rooted theologically either way, okay? Either way. That's the important thing. Um, let's get back to Christ. I've got two minutes to get back to Christ. You, are you limiting the amount of time I can get back to Christ? Unbelievable. Um, Ed, Karis, um, if you guys don't mind getting up, should we stand So our, our marriages are to reflect Christ and the church. That's why God has designed marriage. Marriage is a good thing, and the purpose for marriage is not first and foremost for our own pleasure, uh, although God has worked that in there. But first and foremost, it's to glorify God, and it's to display the relationship that Christ has with the church. And Jesus laid down his life for the church. That's what he did. He laid down his life for every single one of us. Whether you're married here today or not, he laid his life down for you. That's how much he loves. That's how much he cares. There's no greater love than this than for someone to lay down their life for another. So as we come back to worship, use this as a time to come before God, bring your thoughts, your fears, your uh, annoyance, your anger, your love, your desire. Bring, Bring whatever you've got going on inside of you before God and ask him to lead you. That's the best we can do. Ask him to lead you, to guide you in good heart forward and uh, trust that he will. He loves you, laid down his life for you, and he cares for you. Um, Jude said about older women seeking younger women, like um, uh, older women teaching younger women um, as well. Like the, I'm sure the married couples amongst us, you know, would love to chat these things through, love to work these things through uh, with you. Don't feel afraid coming, chatting to us or chatting to others, you know, um, here uh, who have been married a little while. 
Let's chat it through. So it's good to do that. Okay. Bless you guys.